Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Chronicle sports columnist Scott Osler. During our conversation, we tried to find an answer for the Warriors' biggest issue, inconsistency. Scott, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. Um, you know, it's it's always it's always nice to to catch up with you. Um, full disclosure to our to our readers and our listeners out there, uh, I I know there's an age difference, but I do consider Scott a good friend at this point. And in normal times, we're grabbing beers occasionally. We're we're catching up on the road, and you know that's honestly the thing I probably miss most about not having the travel life during the pandemic right now is just like being able to in the playoffs or whatever, you know, go, go out, uh, go out with someone like you or Ann after a game or, you know, meet up with a, an old friend of mine who lives in a random NBA city, you know, yeah. uh, not able to do those things anymore. So how are you handling just not being able to uh, socialize and uh you know early <laughs> as much you know we have to be pretty yeah. smart about how we do those things now how, how are you dealing with that yeah i have no social life anyway except <laughs> during the nba playoffs when we hang out on the road and stuff so yeah i definitely miss that that's a that's a that's a great part of our job i think and uh but i've been doing okay i got i got both vaccines so <clears throat> i'm basically ready to roll that's Get awesome back to normal life pretty soon i've Look forward to going out to the out to the arena. You know the things I miss. I miss the soft serve ice cream uh, thing at the arena, but I also miss hanging with with Connor and and my other friends out there. I my I miss the soft serve and the cookies, uh, specifically the cookies in Sacramento. I don't know if you are aware. The Sacramento cookies are amazing. We went up to Sacramento in the preseason actually, and uh, they weren't there, um, but my belly doesn't miss those things. Uh, I've been able to keep some weight off. So uh, that's been good. But uh, um, so one, we're over a third of the way through the season. Now we're nearing, we're nearing uh, the all-star break and the major storyline understandably has been how the Warriors are going to deal with their inconsistency issues. Right. And um, it's a legitimate storyline. I mean, the the war it's almost incredible. Uh, the Warriors are 17 and 15. They have not won more than two games in a row, and they have not lost more than two games in a row. That you almost have to try to do that. That's it's like looking at just their overall schedule right now and the wins and losses. It's insane. Uh, it feels like in 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 specifically when you look at uh, how this has all come together. You know, there have been several times where, you know, they might be literally on the verge of, of their third win in a row. You know, they might uh, they might be up big in the fourth quarter and then squander a big lead to make sure that they do not win three in a row. That happened the other night in Orlando. They were up 13, I think, with around nine minutes left in the fourth quarter and fumbled, fumbled it away and lost by four. Um there have also been examples on the other end where, you know, it feels like they're, they're, they're going to lose their third game in a row. And then, and then Steph Curry leads them on this huge second half comeback. Uh, and they're, they're able to, to not uh, lose three in a row. Um, so it's been a weird year. And I, and I, I hate to use the word inconsistency because I feel like it's so vague, uh, but it, there isn't a better word to describe what this team's problem is. Um and 
I basically wanted to spend this podcast just trying to figure out how to fix the inconsistency uh, because I don't think it's an easy fix. I mean, we've out, we've obviously asked Steve Kerr a lot about it. We've asked Steph. We've asked Draymond guys who've been in the league a long time who understand the game at a very high level, higher level than either of us, and they don't even seem to have like actually good answers. And you know, the thing that you could say earlier in the season was oh, they're just acclimating to each other. They're going to figure it out. They're going to, you know, rattle off some wins here. But I think we're kind of past the small sample size portion of the season. Uh, Like we're literally almost at the all-star break. So um, it seems to be an actual fundamental issue with the team. Yeah, It goes beyond just acclimating. Fortunately, I have an easy fix for the inconsistency thing. What? All I have to do is go – Get Clay back immediately and go get Andre Iguodala back immediately. Yeah. Those are two of the most consistent guys you could ever find. You know, Clay occasionally would have shooting slumps and things like that, but he was an outside shooter. That's going to happen. But he was an amazingly consistent guy and a steadying defensive presence. The same with Iguodala. Iguodala was incredibly locked in and all the time, just on offense and defense. And you lose two of the most consistent guys in basketball. And you're just not going to be as consistent. You just can't, you know, Kelly Oubre is not going to be the consistent guy, no matter how, how much he's improved and all that stuff with this team. And and same with Wiggins kind of Wiggins still has a little bit of the in and out kind of thing. And it's just, it's just not going to, it's, it's a hard thing to get. And one of the reasons they were so consistent over the years is because they had guys like Clay and Iguodala. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Warriors had a 10 game stretch up until recently where they did not have someone taller than six foot seven. Um, obviously, James Wiseman was out, Kevon Looney was out. And as soon as all those guys went down, my first thought was they're screwed. Like, as they're going to lose almost all the games uh, that they have with all, with all these guys out. It, at, at the end of the day, basketball is a, is a tall man sport, and uh, six seven is not even tall in the NBA. Um, but, and, you know, they were starting a six foot six Draymond Green at center, a six foot six two-way contract player in, in, uh, Juan Descano Anderson at power forward. But this team continues to surprise us. Um, they actually looked really good. The majority of that stretch, um, they, with those small ball lineups, they, they, they were getting out in transition really well. They're ratcheting it up the tempo. They were playing this really fun, free-flowing brand of basketball, and it was it was really fun to watch. Um, and you look at the numbers during that ten-game stretch; they were eleventh uh, in the NBA in offensive rating. Uh, I believe they were third in the NBA in defensive rating. They were second in the NBA in pace, and they were third in the NBA in overall net rating. But but so you would hear all those things. You would assume they must have gone what eight and two, nine and one. Yeah. They went five and five. Yeah. Well, they they yeah. they blew a couple games, but I don't know. I, I kind of uh, I don't want to say that Steve Kerr everything he says is gospel and everything, but he he's been saying he said been saying since the start of the year we're going to be inconsistent for a while, and he's been saying recently coming on pretty strong saying I think we're close now. We're we're closing in on something. We're Close to making he uses the word breakthrough, right? And, and I, you know, when they blow games like the, the, you could explain the the game they blew the other night 
when Draymond uh, basically blew it for him. And he admitted that. But I don't think they've been disappointing. I don't think they've been, oh, my God, these guys are all over the map. I think it's been expected, and I think they're getting closer to consistency. And I, I, think, I think you're seeing, you know, Wiseman is going to be a work in progress all year. And so he, he, you can't expect him to be as consistent as a three- or four-year veteran. So that's going to happen. But I think in general, uh, I think they're on a good traje- trajectory. We'll have more of my conversation with Scott Osler right after the break. The thing that's weird to me that I'm having a hard time understanding is it feels like in these really critical moments and late in games, they just stop moving the ball. And it doesn't even look like it's anything the defense is really doing. They just, they just, they just get away from what they do best at the most critical time of the game. Yeah. Um, you know, this team is obviously at their best when they're moving the ball, getting out in transition, um, feasting on fast breaks, you know, using their length and their athleticism to their advantage because this team, I think the, and I said this during the season, the, this, the thing that this team has going for it that over almost any other team in the league is their length um, and their athleticism. You look at guys like Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, that is when they're at their best, you know, uh, being able to capitalize on that and so it's um there is part of me that believes that they'll kind of iron out these inconsistencies just through sheer time together and it maybe it's gonna take half the season um but i think they 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 will probably figure it out in coming weeks um that being said i do think that you know there are some things that that steve could do uh, to kind of just help along around the edges. Um, one thing that was interesting to me when um, when James Wiseman and Kavon came back uh, yesterday was just going to be seeing what Steve does with the rotation because Steve actually has a good problem right now, which is that he has probably 12 legitimate rotation caliber players. Yeah. Um and you you don't in the NBA you don't want to play a twelve man rotation. Um, you know Steve likes to play a ten man rotation, which is still pretty sizable. Um, and so that that ended up at least last night leaving uh, Juan Descano Anderson and Michael Mulder out of the mix, which is unfortunate because both of them have played well this season. Yeah, Juan in particular, uh, you know even if his numbers aren't going to amaze you. I think anyone who watches the games can see the impact he has on the floor. Um, he is an incredibly smart player. He is, he's been compared to Draymond, and I think it's a fair comparison just in the sense of how he sees the floor. It feels like he sees plays happen one or two seconds before they actually happen. Um, he's in the right place at the right time all the time, and this is a guy who's not super familiar with actually playing in golden state system. He played in Santa Cruz for a while, which they do run the same offense, but it's the G league. It's totally different. Um, And so it's been incredibly impressive how smooth his transition has been. Um, And even Michael Mulder, like Michael Mulder uh, is a guy who his job is to come in and knock down three pointers. And he's done that. You know, he last I checked, he was shooting, close to 40% from three on a decent volume, given his minutes and he's playing solid defense. So those are both guys who deserve rotation spots, but they just aren't. But the question is like, who do you take out? Because Kim Bazemore is playing well. 
Damian Lee's had a nice season. He's been kind of regressing a little bit of late, but I think he's proven enough to still warrant that rotation spot. Uh, Eric Pascal has been effective as small ball five. Um, you know, there's, there's just not like an obvious come on Looney, even though his numbers aren't, aren't going to amaze is a plus minus wizard. Like every yeah. time he's on the floor, they do better. So I don't know. What do you think Steve should do with the rotation? Well, you said you had a solution. Well, what I was going to say was, I think that Steve needs to find minutes for Juan. Yeah. Um, I think, and I think it probably will come at the expense of Eric Pascal. Um, yeah. I think, uh, I think he needs to find minutes of the floor for, for Pascal or for Juan and Pascal has been at his best as a small ball five, but the way the rotation's coming together and with Kavon and James Wiseman back, there's just not as many small ball five minutes for him. And so he needs to prove <clears throat> he, he needs to prove that he can be consistently effective as a power forward, um, which, you know, he's had his moments, but he hasn't proven that he can be a reliable power forward in this league. And, you know, honestly, honestly, if you're just talking about power forward minutes, I would rather have, I would rather have Scano Anderson out there. Yeah. You look at Pascal's rebound numbers, and they're not very impressive. They never have been. And he's not—he's not a good rebounder for his for his position. He's had moments defensively, but he still has a lot to learn, especially help side. De- defense is a is a major issue for him. Um, and offensively, he's inconsistent when he's not playing that small ball five. Yeah. The reason he's so good at that small ball five is because he's able to take advantage of mismatches. Um, but when those mismatches aren't there, he's not as effective. And I'm, and I think Eric's important to this team's long-term plans. And I know it's a difficult decision, but I think if you're just talking about winning right now, I think Quan is going to be more effective and provide more for you at that power forward position. Yeah. So I would at least give some of those power forward minutes to Juan. Um, I also, even though I love Kavon Looney uh, a lot, uh, and I think he's super underrated just in terms of what he provides. I mean, you look at his stat line last night, he, um, he did, he didn't, he only, he scored two points on one shot. Uh, and then he had six rebounds, four assists, and he was a plus 17 in 20 minutes. Like that is the definition of Kavon Looney. Like he never does anything outside of his comfort zone. He plays to his strengths. He's, he understands his, his limitations and he is effective. Like he's, he, they tend to play better with him on the court, but they also play better with Juan on the, on the court. Um, you look at his plus minus, it's great as well. So um, uh, I, I would even give some of those, I would even give some minutes to uh, I would actually probably take Looney off the floor a little bit more you know i would I, instead of playing him 20 minutes i'd probably make, play him closer to 15 give some of those minutes maybe give a couple of those minutes to small ball five minutes to pascal and then have have juan play the four um because you know that those that lineup was effective when looney and wiseman were out and i think it can still be effective i think i think you know you can benefit sometimes from from injuries in the sense that you see things that you wouldn't otherwise see. And I think we, we, there were some positive takeaways from that 10 game stint that they need to define ways to incorporate going forward, even with 
Kavan and James. Now, I will say James Wiseman's minutes should not be affected at all. Continue. In fact, he should probably be playing more. Um, he only played 16 minutes last night. I think they were trying to get his win back, uh, but he was great. And he had 14 points in those 16 minutes. He's the future. You need to be playing him closer to 30 minutes tonight. So, look, I might be contradicting myself, <laughs> but it's this is why it's hard for Steve. Um, uh, but I do think you need to get creative and find some way. Look, I think you still even have Damian Lee playing some power forward minutes. He shouldn't be playing power forward. Yeah. You got too many people that can play that position at this point. Yeah. So. Yeah, Wiseman, I, I thought was – he did some nice things last night. He had one move. Well, he did some great screen rolls with, with Draymond and a couple with Steph. They're really impressive. It just – impossible to guard the warriors when they they work that you know because they find him he just gets he you, you got to guard you, you can't double and triple Steph and have somebody not be open and they're ex- exploiting they're starting they exploit that pretty well when wiseman is playing and uh he had, he had one move where he got it pass in the in the lane kind of in deep from uh draymond last night and he did a spin that kind of twirl to his right a really graceful like a ballet move and uh, I just—he's so impressive, and he's just—you're right. You can't—he's he, not a 15 minute a, a night guy, right? And he, his defense is getting more uh, effective. You know, he's little—he's maturing on defense. And and as we as we've said multiple times on the podcast at this point, he is—he is probably the most important storyline to come out of this season in the sense that he is. Uh, he's the future. You know, his development, I think, is going to be the most important thing yeah. this season. And, you know, making sure that he is in a place where entering next season, he can be like a bona fide, legitimate starting center, potentially franchise center, um, which I think is obtainable and realistic. Um, that's incredibly important. And so you can't sacrifice that. I mean, that that needs to still be the one of the top priorities for this team. Um, another thing that I think Steve needs to rethink is Brad Wanamaker. Um, he has been awful offensively. Um, right. He he's solid defensively, and and by solid I mean I think he's probably a little above average. Um, he's strong physically. He's smart, um, but he's not like an elite defender. Um, and I just don't think that he does anything well enough to warrant the minutes he's getting right now. Um, he's, he's averaging 16 minutes per game. Um, he's Steph's primary backup at, at point guard. Uh, and he's only shooting, he's averaging 4.7 points on only 35% shooting 20, 23.1% from three. Um, yeah. And He's also not a great passer either. I mean, he's like he's not even like a true point guard. So if you're if you're not a scorer and you're not you're not much of a passer, you know, what are you what real value are you providing as a uh as a backup point guard in this league? Yeah, one I saw a comment maybe on Twitter or something like that mentioning Brad and and saying, Yeah, you got Jeremy Lin, man. How- how much better would it be if Jeremy Lin was in that? I've gotten role? so many Jeremy Lin questions. Uh, 
I've gotten so many Jeremy Lin questions in my mailbag every week. Um, he's obviously a really hot topic. He's there's still a ton of interest in him, and he's he's been dealing with some minor injuries in the G League bubble. But when he has played, he has looked good. Um, and the thing that I've liked about him is that he looks like a true point guard. Um, right. I think part of his problem in the NBA was he needed the ball in his hands too much. Um, and, you know, after that, that those crazy few weeks with the Knicks, he wasn't doing enough to warrant catering your entire offense around him. Yeah. Um, and so he's looked like he's kind of figured that out and he's, he's become more of a facilitator and he's seen the game and he's, and he's also like been very efficient. You know, I think he was shooting around 40% from three and right. um, he looks good. Um, that being said, I don't necessarily expect the warrior him to play for golden state anytime soon. Right. Just, it would, it would kind of take a lot of maneuvering. You'd probably have to wave someone or, or free up a spot at the deadline. And you'd probably want to get rid of Wanamaker to give him those minutes. And I'm not sure you're, you're going to get rid of Wanamaker easily at this point. Cause he just hasn't provided much. I think you'd actually have to like attach a pick to get rid of him at this point. So um, I don't necessarily think that Jeremy Lin is the solution. I do hope that Jeremy Lin ends up on an NBA team and gets another opportunity because I think he deserves it. I think he's shown enough to get that opportunity. Uh, I don't expect it to be with Golden State. Keep in mind, he's not under contract in any way with Golden State. He's not an affiliate player. So it's not like the Warriors would have special access to him. You know, he could sign with any NBA team he wants. He, he thinks another, let's say the Warriors offered him a contract of another NBA team offered him a contract that he thought was a better fit for him. He would sign with that other team. Yeah. Um, so, but I do think the Warriors have a couple more realistic options at that back of point guard spot. You have Nico Mannion, uh, who was their second round pick, um, who they want to develop. Looked, I thought, pretty good in limited minutes with Golden State before he was sent to the G League bubble. In the G League bubble, he's recently been dealing with a minor injury, but before that was up and down. Uh, you know, he he was still show, showcasing his court vision and, and looking like a good facilitator, but had way too many turnovers and was inconsistent from the field. And so I'm not I'm not sure he has shown enough in the G League level to make you believe right now that he can be an effective backup point guard in the NBA. He yeah. showed a lot of the same issues that he had when he was, uh, when he was in, at, at Arizona. And that's why he went from being a projected lottery pick to a late second round pick. Yeah. Uh, and I want your thoughts on this. And I wrote a little bit about this yesterday. I think they need to give uh, Jordan Poole meaningful, a meaningful opportunity at backup point guard. Uh Jordan Poole, it's, it's been interesting because he was drafted out of Michigan as a catch-and-shoot specialist. But over time, the Warriors have seen that he's actually probably more effective as a secondary ball handler. Uh, he's actually – he's got a lot of point guard skills. And uh, he's been in the G League bubble putting up crazy numbers, been done everything that you could ask him to do down there, um, has been a true leader of that team. I think they have a five-game winning streak, and it's largely because of him. Um, he's, he hit a, you know, a shot that sent the game to overtime the other night. He's shown, he's looked clutch. He's looked like he's knows what he's doing. And he's been, especially with Jeremy Lin injured and, and Nico Mannion injured, he's been their primary ball handler. So I think that 
to me, he would actually be as good, if not a better option at backup point guard right now than Wanamaker. And he's fits more into your long-term plans because he's under contract next season. Whereas Wanamaker is not, he's obviously much right. younger. Right. Um, I think you need to give that a legitimate shot. And the Warriors have never been beholden to the idea of like a true backup point guard. Like right. really you just need a, another secondary ball handler. You already have Draymond Green commanding a lot of the attention on, on the ball any, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what do you think of that idea? I like that. With Poole, uh, it, it strikes me that he's one of those guys that uh, a lot of it, there's a psychological component. You know, there is with everybody, but – you know, one of the problems he, he struggled early on and maybe got in his own head and, and was kind of battling his, his demons and stuff like that. And I think it's a matter of, of working through that. You see that as, as, as a thing with him where, you know, he's got to, he needs the confidence. It's interesting. Cause like one of the big things, one of his signature things was his swagger, you know, like the way he plays, he does play with a swagger. But yeah, you're right. Especially last season, there were moments where he looked overwhelmed and that he lost that swagger. Um, and I think I just think it's hard. He, he had the G League was really beneficial for him last season because he was absolutely awful to start the season, and they he had to play meaningful minutes because they had no one else, um, and he just couldn't handle it. And then they finally just pulled the plug and sent him to the G League for a few games. And that was kind of the turning point in his season. He came back to Golden State and looked like a different player, was much more confident, was playing that secondary ball handler role, actually started some games at point guard, looked pretty decent, actually. Uh, I know that team was really bad, but he looked pretty decent. Um, and this season, it's uh, it's hard because Michael Mulder has come on, and Michael Mulder looks like a legitimate rotation caliber guy. And he's had a hard time beating out Michael Mulder. And so he's not, he's getting really sporadic minutes with golden state. And so it's, it's hard to really see what he can really do. But I do think what we're talking about would be an opportunity because Mulder's not a ball handler. Mulder's not going to be a point guard in any way. So that would be a place where pool could kind of differentiate himself and carve out his niche. Um, And Wanamaker just isn't, isn't showing enough. And I think he's had enough of a sample size at this point, um, you know, and I, I know they're trying to stick with him, but I think it's going to come to the point soon where they need to seriously reconsider that. And, and, and obviously the G league bubble ends in a little over a week. So Poole's going to come back. And uh, you know, I think that, I think that he's done everything they've asked of him and that he deserves meaningful minutes and that's going to be the way to get him those minutes because he's still a pretty young guy you know he's he's still 21 you know maturing uh, mentally and all this stuff yeah he in and i've still i'm still not sure what his role is i'm not sure if he's a legitimate nba player by any stint by by any stretch of the imagination yet i'm still not sure i i feel like his ceiling right now is is like a fringe rotation guy. I hope he proves me wrong, but um, I'm just not sold on him yet. But I think if you gave him some backup point guard minutes, he could prove me wrong. Um, potentially. Like it couldn't hurt. Right. Yeah. The thing is he's at a really critical stage in his career because I think 
it's e- it's easy to think when you're a young guy like oh i'm young you know i i got i got i got a while to figure this out but as we've talked about in the past with guys like alan smiley Geach, it's like no like you have to show that you're getting better and you can't just bank on your youth because you have someone like james wiseman who's 19 and playing big minutes and playing well you have luka Doncic who's 20 you know and you know starting the all-star game was in the mvp conversation last year um it's a cutthroat league and you know you being 20 being 21 that's not an excuse anymore <laughs> it's not and so unfortunately so uh you look at someone like jacob evans who um was their first round pick three years ago and he just signed with santa cruz as an actual santa cruz player he's not an affiliate nba player and he didn't play the game last night for santa cruz against the iowa wolves and i texted my friend kevin dana who does play-by-play for santa cruz and i was like was was uh was jacob evans available tonight and he said yeah he was available he just didn't he's just not in the rotation so he went from being a late first round pick to not even being able to get minutes on a G League team yeah. within three years. Yeah. And it's because he didn't get better. Yeah. One, one advantage of, of giving Jordan Poole more of a run this year than right now is that they're still looking at this as kind of a transition year. They're not giving up on the year by any means, but they're kind of, you know, looking forward to next year's, okay, getting Clay back and now make a huge run. And they don't want to go into next season with a bunch of question marks. And if, and if they can find out more information on pool right now, you know, is he going to be, they can maybe get more of a def- definitive read on him now. It's going to be to their advantage next year rather than, than, than not. And then going into camp next year, well, what are we going to do with Jordan pool? So might be a good time to find out. Yeah, definitely. Um, Scott, that was, that was fun. It always is. Uh, it's just like I've said before, it's just nice to, to catch up with you because, you know, I feel, I'm feeling a little isolated. I think all of us are just, you know, maybe you see your significant other uh, and, you know, I, I'm able to see people a little bit when I go to the occasional home game, but that's really the extent right now. So it's just nice to have any form of social life. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, so thank you so much, Scott. Um, where, where can our listeners find your stuff if they're not already following along yeah just go on twitter at scott osler and uh, that's about it sfchronicle.com our thanks to scott osler for joining me on the podcast really enjoyed chatting with him warriors off court is a production of the san francisco chronicle support warriors off court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod 